All right, if you would please turn your Bibles to Psalm 119. And if you didn't get a handout tonight, I'd really like for you to have that. Tom's here at the front as he makes his way back. If you'll just lift your hand and uh, that'll let him know that you don't have one yet. So with our student ministry, we've started in the senior high at uh, the end of January here, or uh, I guess middle of January. We've kicked off a new series called A Look Into God's Heart, a study of Psalm 119. And we're just trying to take it a week at a time and go... Uh, stanza by stanza, verse by verse, through the book of the chapter here, Psalms 119. And I'm looking forward to this. We're launching into a new stanza tonight. We'll start in verse 17. So Psalm 119, the scripture here says, Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. Let's pray. Lord, we just uh, bow our hearts before you, and we do thank you, God, for your eternal, perfect, preserved word that you have for us tonight. Thank you for the opportunity to hear it this morning, to be encouraged by uh, the restoration that the Shunammite woman found, and to be encouraged by the restoration that you have provided for us, by the sacrifice that you gave for us on the cross. And Lord, we thank you and praise you that you're risen, that uh, we serve a living Savior, and we thank you for that tonight. Lord, I ask that you please help us as we read this, help us to see and understand, help us, God, open our hearts and our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. And I pray you'd help Pastor as he preaches tonight. Please continue to lay on his heart the message and the text that you have for him. And please um, help us, Lord, to communicate this truth effectively and, and clearly tonight. And we'll give you the praise for it, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. All right, we're going to look tonight at three prayers, and uh, one in each of these verses that we've just read. So let's start with uh, number one is, is verse 17. The psalmist here, he says, Deal bountifully with thy servant, that I may live and keep thy word. Deal bountifully with thy servant. Um, letter A, the servant's prosperity is found in the blessing of God. As you look here at what he's asking, he's saying, he's really asking God to be to be plenteous with him. He, he's asking and praying for God's blessing in his life. Um, I, I like this. Bountifully is in contrast to sparingly. When you think about the, when he, what he's asking God for, bountifully is in contrast to sparingly. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. Hold your place in Psalm there. We'll be right back. But 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse Six. The scripture here says, But this I say, He which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. So I love it there that we get to, in the scriptures, find the definition of bountifully, and God says uh, the, the absolute opposite of that is sparingly. So the psalmist here, he comes to God with his prayer and says, God, when you deal with me and your blessings... Uh, please don't spare anything. Pour it all out in my life. I want you, God, to deal bountifully with me. And isn't that, that that's an amazing expectation, isn't it? I mean, who are we to expect anything from God? But you know, God in His grace and in His mercy has promised to bless us. And you think about just the, just the blessing of salvation, what God has poured out in our lives and how, how bountiful God has, has, has been with us. Um, look here at uh, how God has dealt with us. Look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. I wanted to, in, in the Old Testament, when you look at the way God blessed people, 
And in the Old Testament, you, si- you find a sign of God's blessing is material prosperity, don't you? You look at Job, um, you look at Abraham. These guys, people in the Old Testament, they could tell that God's hand was on you because you were materially blessed. In the New Testament, we see there are so many spiritual blessings um, that that's where the emphasis is in the New Testament. It's not on how big your house is, how much money, how, what kind of car you drive, you know, like these health, wealth preachers on TV. That's not where God's uh, blessing, that's not where the focus is. Look at what Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 here has for us. Give me just a second to get caught up to you guys. That's what happens when you turn 30. I'm 31. So it takes me a little bit to catch up to you, Ty. Verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Now this is one of those, put your seatbelt on, because we are about to fly through this and see amazing things. And you could do a whole series, you know, pastor could do a whole series in September, October, November on the spiritually ble- spiritual blessings that are listed here. But let's look at them quickly tonight. He's blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as He hath chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. All right, so here's one of the spiritual blessings. That we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Now, I don't know about you, but if I stood before God in and of my sinful self, I'm not going to stand before Him without blame and certainly not in love. The Bible says that God first loved us. We love Him because He first loved us. And here we find that one of the spiritual blessings of being saved that God has given to us in Christ is that you and I now get to stand before Him, washed, cleansed. We get to stand blameless before Him in love. I mean, I'd say God's dealt bountifully with us. Verse number 5, He says, "...having predestinated us..." unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will. So another way that God's dealt bountifully with you and I, if we're saved, is He has placed us into His family. If you remember from the Scriptures, there are only two families in the world. There's Satan's family and God's family. Jesus told these Pharisees, you're of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. But when we're born again, He says if we're saved, we have been adopted into God's family. So God has dealt bountifully with us. Look at verse 6. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved. If you're a believer tonight, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, you are accepted. You're accepted. And, and some of you school teachers, you see teenagers, you, you see young people make really bad decisions. Why? Because they're trying to be accepted by somebody. They're trying to be accepted by a group. They're trying to do something to be accepted by their mom or by their dad. They're, they're trying to be accepted. God says, stop it. If you know my son is your Savior, you are accepted in the Beloved. It's amazing. It's amazing how, God, how, how bountiful God has been with us. And then verse number 7, "...in whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of His grace." There is not a sin that has ever been committed that God can't forgive and wash away through the blood of His Son. He's paid for them all. He's paid for them all in whom we have redemption through His blood. We're bought back. That redemption, we were, we were in sin. Uh, Romans chapter 6 identifies that when, you're, when, when you give yourself to sin, you're a slave to it. 
And God says here, you're redeemed by the blood, not with corruptible things, silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. So here's the deal. The psalmist in our psalm, he says, God, deal bountifully with me. And in the Old Testament, when you look at those Old Testament saints, God would give them, you know, sheep and oxen and, and all these physical blessings. You know, for you and I, you can pray, God, please deal bountifully with me. And you know what he'll bring to mind? I have poured out amazing spiritual blessing in your life. You're saved, you're washed, you're forgiven, you're accepted in the beloved. And God will deal bountifully with us. So this prayer, but let's go back to Psalm 119. And uh, on your handout here, number one, this first prayer is the prayer of a servant. Notice what he says in verse 17. He says, deal bountifully with thy servant, with thy servant. Are you excited to serve the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you excited to serve? This guy here, he's a, he is... He could not have a better role than to serve God. There's nothing more that he wants to be than to just realize, man, I'm a servant of the Lord. That means this servant, he's not in control. That means he's not the one calling the shots. He's saying, God, please deal bountifully with me. I'm your servant. And look at the uh, purpose here. So letter A, you've got the servant's prosperity is found in the blessing of God. Letter B, the servant's passion is to keep the word of God. The servant's passion is to keep the word of God. He says, deal bountifully with thy servant that I may live and keep thy word. You know what he wanted all that? He wanted God to deal with him in such a way. He asked God to deal bountifully with him so that he can keep God's word. That's all he wanted to do. That's an amazing purpose to have here as a servant. Uh, Psalm 84, I've got that on your handout for you. Um, Just for sake of time, I, I wrote a few of these out. Um, it says here, for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. And you know, again, that, that idea of being a servant of Jesus Christ. Um, teenagers, there is nothing more important. There's nothing greater than you can do with your life than to serve Jesus Christ. Adults, there's, there's not a greater role that you can have in your life than to, than to serve Jesus Christ with your life. So he says here, deal bountifully with me that I may live. And what was his life all about? Keeping God's word. He was keeping this book. That's what he wanted to do. Um, look, flip a page over Psalm 118 and verse 17. Psalm 118 and verse 17. He says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Why are you alive? What's your purpose? Tomorrow when you go to work, is it just to go to work, just to push a button, just to you know, have a meeting, just to do this? Or is it to declare the works of God? You see, his purpose uh, was great, and he w- but he was a servant of the Lord. So not only uh, um, the prayer of the servant, but number two is the prayer of a seer. A seer. And a seer is S-E-E-R. S-E-E-R, number two, the prayer of a seer. He says in verse 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Open thou mine eyes. This is interesting. Look at uh, letter A, the Old Testament role of a seer. The Old Testament role of a seer. Um, did I give you First Samuel 9.9? Go ahead and turn there. Um, let's look at this real quick. First Samuel 9.9. And we will start in verse number. Oh, let's. Uh, we'll start in verse six. First uh, Samuel chapter nine and verse 
6. This is where Saul is chosen to be king. And verse 6 says, And he said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man. All that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. Then said Saul to his servant, But behold, if we go, what shall we bring the man? For the bread is spent in our vessels, and there is not a present to bring to the man of God. What have we? And the servant answered Saul again and said, Behold, I have here at, the hand, at hand the fourth part of a shekel of silver. That will I give to the man of God to tell us our way. And now this parenthetical note here in the scriptures. Before time in Israel, when a man went to inquire of God, thus he spake, Come and let us go to the seer, for he that is now called a prophet was before time called a seer. So here the scripture is teaching us something that these Old Testament prophets, before they were called prophets, they were called seers. Why were they called seers? Because the God was giving them prophetical information, showing truth to them. They were able to see things before they were come to pass. So if somebody wanted to inquire of God, they would say, let's go to the seer, the person that can see and has been given the word of the Lord. So the context there is that these seers are prophets and they are they know the word of the Lord. They know what's going to come to pass. So look at uh, with me at 2 Samuel 24. 2 Samuel 24, and we'll see this word again. There are a couple other places in the scripture where a seer is mentioned in the place of a prophet. Just kind of interesting, but 2 Samuel chapter 24 and verse number 11. Um, oh, let's, uh, let's look at verse 10. This is interesting. And David's heart smote him after he had numbered the people. And David said unto the Lord, I have sinned greatly in that I have done. And now I beseech thee, O Lord, take away the iniquity of thy servant, for I have done very foolishly. And when David was up in the morning, the word of the Lord came unto the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying. Okay, so the seers, they were, they were prophets. God had given them his word, and uh, they were able to, to see things before they would come to pass because of what God had let them know. Also in the Old Testament, letter B, Elisha prayed that God would open the young man's eyes. Uh, you remember this, Elisha, this army is coming, and Elisha and his servant, and the servant's freaking out. And Elisha, he's going, and this army is just riding at him. And the servant just can't, he can't figure out why Elisha is so at peace. And this is what Elisha says, 2 Kings six seventeen, And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. <laughs> Elisha was looking at God's army. And it was, I, it's one of those, you just, can you even imagine you know, angels and chariots and horses? I'd be going, to, I'd be waiting for that army to come. And he says, God, open his eyes. Elisha was one of these prophets. He's, he was one of these seers that, that knew the word of the Lord and, and he could see from God's perspective. Today, let her see the problem of the lost. The problem of the lost is that their eyes are blind. It says here in 2 Corinthians 4, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. You know, we live in a world where people, they, do, they, they are so blind spiritually. They're blinded by sin. And here, uh, the scripture says that the God of this world, Satan, has blinded the minds of people that don't believe the gospel. 
But notice this letter D. Jesus opens the understanding. Jesus opens the understanding. In the same way in the Old Testament when Elisha prayed that this young man's eyes would be open. You know, God can open our eyes through His Word, through the Scriptures. If you would look with me please at Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. And this is an account that you know many of you are familiar with on the, uh, these disciples on the Emmaus Road. Luke chapter 24. And we'll start in verse 24. The scriptures here says, and certain of them, which, uh, let's uh, back up. Um, uh, Let's go verse 13. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem, about three score furlongs. And they talked together of all these things that had happened. Remember right before this, the Lord was crucified and buried, rose again, and everybody's talking about it. Verse 15, And it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, Jesus Himself drew near and went with Him. But their eyes were holden, that they should not know Him. And He said unto them, What manner of communications are these that ye have one to another, and ye walk and are sad? And so they relay to Him these things that they've heard about through the day. And in verse number 23, the Scripture says, And when they found not His body, they came, saying that they had seen a vision of angels, which said that He was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even so as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then uh, he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. I bet that was a pretty cool Sunday school lesson. Imagine Jesus Christ opening. (laughs) That's unbelievable. Verse 28, And they drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at me with them, he took bread and blessed it and brake and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And if you remember, when they met him, their eyes were holden that they should not see. But Jesus opened their understanding and opened their eyes to understand the truth from the Scriptures. And you know the Lord in Job 32, 8, the Scripture says of, of, the, uh, of God, But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Without the Spirit of the Lord opening our understanding to this book, man, uh, we can be just as blind and Christians can walk in, in, in darkness just like the rest of this world, can't they? And so the, the psalmist, he says, God, when I, when I come to your word, I don't want to read it just like I read any other book. Uh, God, open my eyes that I would behold things, that I would see, that, that I would understand. Because, God, Lord, we're, we're fallen man. We're, we're, and he was just begging God to open the scriptures to him. And... What an amazing attitude that is to come to the Scriptures with. You know, I, I hope that um, you guys, you, you senior hires, I hope that when you come to Sunday school, that you come with an expectant heart. And man, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that, that I communicate clearly, but I hope that you come with an expectant heart saying, God, please help me to see something that I'm going to need this week, that I'm going to need today. And, and what about you as an adult? How do you approach the preaching and teaching of the Word of God? Are, are you ready to hear it? Are, are you expectant, saying, Lord, open my eyes. Lord, uh, this discipleship that I've got in, in an hour or two, you know, as you 
meet with each other one-on-one. Are you expecting God to do something in that time? To open your disciples' eyes, to open your own eyes. And so many of you that are in discipleship, how many of you, you've been going through the lesson and the Lord's opening your understanding on some things and, and just refreshing things and, and bringing things to your remembrance that you need um, it. Praise the Lord for His Word. Ephesians chapter 1 here, it says, um, I gave you that on your handout, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that ye may know what is the hope of His calling and what the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints. Paul was praying that the Ephesian believers, that their understanding would be open and they would see and know the truth of the calling of God and the riches of God in their life. So not only, number one, do we have the prayer of a servant here, uh, we also have the prayer of a seer. And he says, Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. But then number three, if you would look back with me at Psalm 119, in verse number 19 here, we have the prayer of a stranger. The prayer of a stranger. It's like it reminds me of that movie Home Alone. The little boy's at the convenience store and he can't tell the clerk where his mom is. He goes, and he's just like, why? He's like, because you're a stranger. Can't tell him where his parents are. Don't talk to strangers. Verse 19, he says, I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. I love this. Letter A, a stranger is one who belongs to another country. A stranger is one who belongs to another country. Um, you guys know I got to spend about three and a half years of my life down in Knoxville, Tennessee. And man, I got to tell you, I was a stranger down in Tennessee. <laughs> they, you know, down there, um, apparently I came back with a little bit of an accent sometimes when I get to preaching. I guess I sound a little bit more like I'm from down there, even though I didn't grow up there. But, you know, down there they got Knoxville, Kerrville, Maryville, Louisville. You know, it's like there's a ville. It's V-I-L-L-E, Louisville. Louisville, um, sin is not sin, it's sin, you know. And the Lord said unto him, there's sin there. And, but I was a stranger down in Tennessee, not only because of the way that I spoke, but mainly because of the way that I drove. I love it. Down in Tennessee, actually, I don't love it, but in Tennessee, when you're at a stoplight, you're at a traffic light, you want to turn left. When the light is green, you know... You, and there's a left turn arrow, you're allowed to enter the intersection, even though there's oncoming traffic, and just wait for the oncoming traffic and then turn left. I don't know if it's something they teach in driver's ed in Tennessee, but nobody will pull into the intersection when the light turns green to take a left turn. So you sit there for four traffic lights. <laughs> and then they give you the Tennessee like sign when you beep at them, you know, it's the Tennessee sign. It's like the T without the top to it. You know, they're just, or whatever. Um, I'll never forget one of my first Saturdays of outreach at, of the college ministry there at University of Tennessee. We were out inviting people for the Bible study. And, you know, I'm thinking, man, I'm from Ohio. We've got, you know, Buckeye football, OH. I, you know, I mean, we are big football fans. Well, I'm down there on game day. And I hear and this Chevy Cavalier orange orange Chevy Cavalier racing white racing stripes down the center, 
playing Rocky Top. I'm thinking, I am what? I was a stranger in a strange country. You walk into Walmart and they had the uh, Rocky Top playing. You remember before they did the Walmart Super Center, the old Walmart, where you'd walk in and they'd have all the college paraphernalia right there. Well, you go to one in Knoxville and it's all bright orange and they're blasting uh, Rocky Top and it's going. <laughs> And you end up, you know, walking through the checkout line, doing the little jig. I was a stranger in a strange country. Uh, look with me at Genesis chapter 15. The, you guys know the law first mentioned. Anytime the Lord mentions something for the very first time, He will uh, give us truth that He expounds upon through the rest of Scripture. Very interesting here. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 13 is, is the first time that the word stranger is used. Genesis chapter 15 and verse 13, the, the scripture here says, And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. Wow, it, it just seems almost like that's still where the Lord's people are. They're just strangers in this world. And everybody on the planet hates them. And it's just amazing. But here he says that his that Abraham's seed would be a stranger in a land. They would go there into Egypt and would serve them and be afflicted in slavery. Um, I've got this on your handout. Psalm 39.12, the scripture says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear unto my cry. Hold not thy peace at my tears. For I am a stranger with thee and a sojourner as all my fathers were. I love this. Again, the Bible defining words for us. This word sojourner, it's a stranger. This is a person, they're not from that country. They don't belong in, in the country in which they are. Um, letter B, a sojourner does not consider his dwelling as his permanent habitation. A sojourner does not consider his dwelling as his permanent habitation. Genesis 12.10, the scripture says, And there was a famine in the land, and Abraham or Abram went into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. So when Abraham went to Egypt, he knew that that's not, that's not my home, that's not my permanent habitation. Uh, Ruth chapter 1, verse 1 says, Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. You remember it was Elimelech, and he took his family out of the place of God's blessing down to Egypt. His intention was to just sojourn, to dwell there for a little time. But we know that the scripture says a couple of verses later, he continued there. And that's where he died, and his sons died. And you know how the rest of the story unfolds with Ruth and Naomi coming back to the place of blessing after they hear that God has blessed his people that stayed where they were supposed to. They God dealt bountifully with His people there. Um, 2 Kings 8, uh, I got to add this one after Aaron preached on this this morning. Then spake Elisha unto the woman whose son had restored to life, saying, Arise and go, thou and thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn. For the Lord hath called a famine, and it shall also come upon the land seven years. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. So every time you see somebody sojourning, she goes to sojourn in the land of the Philistines. The Jews weren't, you know, when you look at the people of Israel, that's not where God uh, wanted them to be. He, so they, she goes in the, the land of the Philistines. Um, Abraham's going down into Egypt. These are strangers in a strange land. Let her see. Abraham, Abraham was a stranger. 
Abraham was a stranger. Look with me, if you would, at Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. So you have these biblical words of a stranger, a sojourner. And here, this is all really going to come together. We're going to find both of these and actually be introduced to uh, another term that's synonymous with these that you can study on your own. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse number 8. The scripture here says, By faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs of him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore sprang there even of one, and him as good as dead, so many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as the sand which is by the seashore innumerable. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers, and, here's our other word, pilgrims on the earth. So when you see that biblical word stranger, a pilgrim, a sojourner, it's somebody that does not belong here. They belong, but it's not that you don't belong anywhere. When I thought of a stranger, I thought kind of a nomad, you know, somebody that doesn't belong anywhere. It's not that they don't belong anywhere. They're just where they don't really belong. And verse 14 says, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country. That is, where do they belong? And heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. You know... You and I do not belong in this world. I hope tonight that you feel like you don't belong here in this world. Because you don't. And the moment that we start feeling like we're getting wrapped up in this world and feeling like we belong to it, we're taking our focus off of that that heavenly place that God has for us. Uh, Look with me. Let's look at this. Revelation 21. The scriptures just told us that Abraham, he looked for a city whose foundation and maker uh, is God. In Revelation chapter 21, you see ultimately here that the Lord, he's going to prepare a new heaven and a new earth. And there's going to be a new Jerusalem. And uh, Revelation chapter 21 and verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That's where Abraham belonged. And that's where someday you and I, when we spend eternity with Jesus Christ, that's where we're going to belong. He said that you, that, 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 um, that we'll be ever, that we will be with him forever. Philippians 3.20 emphasizes this. For our conversation is in heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. As a believer, I know that as you go through this world and you live out the Bible, you live out the Scripture, 
And, and as you see things taking place, whether it be within our country or just even in your own workplace, I know that you guys, you'll, you feel like you don't fit. Well, God says you don't fit. That you're accepted in the Beloved. And you and I, man, we're looking for a heavenly city. We're looking someday, ultimately, for Christ to come back. And we'll be with Him forever. Look at what He says. Look at what the Lord says here in John chapter 17. John chapter 17 and verse 14. The Lord here says, I have given them thy word, and the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. This this world was not the Lord's home. The Bible says he didn't even have a, a consistent place where to lay his head. And someday he's going to come back and he's going to set up his kingdom on this world. And he'll reign and he'll rule for that thousand years. But guys, we don't fit in because we're not of this world. And the word of God will continue to sanctify us and set us apart. But let's take as many people with us as we can. And let's be faithful to give them the word. So, let me ask you this tonight. Are you, that, that prayer of a servant of Christ, are you, are you passionate? Are you excited that you get to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you, and I, are, are we prayerful as we approach God's word and just asking him, Lord, please open my eyes that I may, that, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Maybe for someone in here tonight, it's been, it's been a while since God's spoken to your heart because you haven't opened the book and, and you haven't been reading it. You haven't been meditating on it. It's been a little while. Go to the Lord tonight and ask Him to open your eyes. And then believer, are you a stranger in a strange land? You know, the, the, the old song, it says, This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. We're strangers. Some of these teenagers are a little more stranger than others. But we're all strangers. We're not of this world. And so let's continue to share the gospel. But realize, man, our home, it's in heaven. Lord, thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for the opportunity.